All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now from Basketball Insiders, he's our friend Steve Kyler. Steve, how's it going? I am well, fellas. How are you? Hey, we are doing just great. Uh, excited about an NBA return as uh, the players signed off on it today. Your thoughts on uh, on the progress and your thoughts on how the NBA is trying to pull this off? Well, I, you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit that, you know, there's no scenario of this that was good, right? It's all just versions of that and how can we find the, worst, the, the best version of that that makes sense? And I think we're there. Like, it, and I think the thing I've heard from players and certainly from executives is everybody understands what's truly at stake beyond, like, the obvious, right? Like, nobody wants to see anyone die or be seriously hurt from this. But then there's the reality that if they don't play games, they don't finish the season, it's going to trigger the nuclear option. It's going to trigger ESPN and Turner can void out of their, their, their deals. Why would they stay in those deals if they don't have to? The economy's changed radically. It probably blows up the CBA, which means everybody's contract that exists now probably goes away. You know, there's just all kinds of things that said we have to work together and figure this out. And I think what we started with was kind of like this vision, this, you know, utopic kind of, here's what we'll do. We'll craft a bubble. And then we started poking holes in the bubble. And I think we've gotten to some realities that there are going to be things teams can control and influence. And there will be things teams can't control and influence. And I think all of it's out in the open. There's no surprises. The rank and file understand what it is and what the risks are. Um, and that if you're not comfortable with those risks, you're not required to be there, and you cannot be there without penalty. And we've already seen Trevor Ariza saying he's not going to be there. We've already started seeing teams talking to potential replacement players. So I think there's a reality base in all of this that says they're going to do the best they can do. And given how thorough they've been about it, I think I like where it's at. Where are you on a certain player deciding he isn't going to come back and then somebody else, another player, criticizing him for that? How do you feel about the scenario that uh, whatever your reason is, you don't have to? Well, one, I, I do think that, you know, that it kind of says some things, right? I think, two, if you're going to criticize, and, and this is the thing I've always liked about the NBA, is there are generally two things NBA players usually don't criticize each other over. That's their contract status and injuries. Because when it's your time to get your contract, you're going to want everything that's owed you. And when you're hurt, you don't want anybody kind of second-guessing you. So little surprise to see players kind of, you know, sniping each other a little bit. But the truth of it is, I think more so than anything, this is a personal choice that everybody's got to make because it's not normal. This isn't a normal thing. And we've already seen a player in the NBA community lose a family member to this, Carl Anthony Towns. That's real. We've seen players test positive for this and, and high-profile players, Nikola Jokic being the most recent to come out that, that he tested positive. That's real. Um, Mike Malone, the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, has said he tested positive. This is not an abstract thing that's happening to others. And and, you know, pre-existing conditions and your life balance. And, you know, it's not just you. It's your family members. It's your kids. You know, is this something you really want to put on the line for what is probably just monetary gain? So I don't think that, you know, it's right for anybody to judge. But I do think we live in a point in our society where we're very, very concerned about what other people are doing when really we should be concerned about what we're doing individually and let people make their own choices. But this is kind of the bubble we live in. Everybody wants to know what you think about somebody else's decisions um to me i don't necessarily think it's right 
You know, the other thing about that is it's kind of a microcosm of society as a whole, making these yep. decisions about starting the, not letting the economy grind down, but also seeing the uh, the positive rate go up. So it's it's kind of an, <laughs> a small little example of what everyone's experiencing. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is, you know, as much as we thought we did, I think we're seeing that this thing is a virus. Um, it's a very contagious virus, and there, the chance that you're going to get it, whether you're playing basketball or going to the grocery store, might be the same. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of really smart epidemiologists and scientists come out and comment on the NBA's plan and saying it may be safer than being at home just because there's going to be so much more available testing, so much more control over access and what you're doing so much more sanitation than maybe you're considering when you reach out and touch the doorknob at the grocery store. So I, I think that maybe we'll see this be better, but I think we've seen it. You, you've seen people who, who go, to go, go to the grocery store and get it. So you may not be safer being at home than playing. And if your life is playing and that's what you want to define yourself as, I don't think we should judge guys that want to do it. Steve Kyler is with us from Basketball Insiders. Switching gears a little bit, Steve. I want to ask you about the effect of having no home court and what impact that will have uh, uh, with what we'll see. And I, I just kind of, my mind went down a wormhole today. Will series in the playoffs, for example, go by a lot quicker? Will we f- see fewer seven-game series because you no longer have that return game where you have all the energy uh, that the, the better team will win more often and probably more dominantly? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that because there's been a lot of data done about the idea of home court, and there is a very statistically relevant advantage to playing in your own building. I think you can think about it, right? The crowd's on your side. You're sleeping in your own bed. You've got your fans. You've got an environment that you play in more than any other. This is all foreign for everybody. It's a neutral site, so there's no baked-in advantage. It's going to be who comes in with rhythm and chemistry, and I think the teams that have been together for a while have an opportunity for that. I think the veteran teams are going to battle two things. One, those kind of soft tissue issues that come from prolonged rest and trying to jump back out. You think about how many guys have hamstring strains and quad strains in training camp because they go from zero to 100. Does that favor teams that are maybe right there in the middle with a roster that's 25 to 30 rather than a roster that's got older players? Um, I think coaching is going to matter a lot because there's not going to be the ability to maybe game referees or game the crowd in your favor. Um, then there's also the travel. You know, these guys aren't getting on a plane to go from point A to point B. They're going to jump on a tram and go back to their hotel and do the whole thing again. And the fact that there may not be as many days between games, how does that deal with recovery and fatigue? So I think there's just a whole lot of new variables uh, that are going to make all of this way more unpredictable. But I also think about certain players. You think about Joel Embiid from uh, – the Philadelphia 76ers. He's somebody who feeds off the crowd. He needs crowd. LeBron's been a crowd guy. You know, or you know, the moment you know in that you know electric two seconds, the crowd's going crazy. You know, you're not going to have that. So, you know, does that sway a guy into an all-star performance, or is that why he chokes? So, I think there's just a lot that's going to go into this that makes it different. But I also think we're going to see the game differently than most people have ever seen it. We're going to be on it because there's no fans. Um, We're talking about miking up players, so we'll hear more in-game conversation, which I think is going to be fun. So it'll be different, very much different. You know, a long time ago, it seemed like the closer you were to the basket, 
the more likely you were to to uh, to to be efficient offensively and be able to use the, that as a uh, as a real weapon against other teams. We had a guest on earlier this week who was saying suggesting that three point shooting teams will struggle a little bit because the three point percentages will be lower because you're starting up again. Do you agree with that? Yeah, you know, they, they say live by the three, die by the three, right? You know, that if you're one of these teams, you think about the Houston Rockets was a couple of years ago when they were just ripping through everybody and then they went ice cold in game six and ended up losing by double digits. You know, there is a reality that shooting is a rhythm. You know, you've got to be kind of there. And with the game being three-point or layups, you know, the teams that can make layups and drive, you know, I think, you know, teams that have real attacking guards that will get to the front of the rim – have an advantage. Teams that can play pick and roll basketball and have a big man that can roll and dive to the basket are going to have an advantage. I think some of the teams that opted more for shooting and not size are going to struggle. Um, but I, again, I think you know you think about the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. They just never seemed to miss a shot from deep, and that's how the Rockets are built. That's how a lot of teams are built. That if they can get rhythm, if those rims and those sight lines, and that's the other thing too is you know I've been in both of the venues they're going to play in, they're not constructed like NBA arenas. The ceilings aren't nearly as high. The, the, the depth of field is different. Um, so it's going to be about who can adapt to this new environment that they've never played in. I mean, some of them have played in it when they've done AAU things and, and games like that, but you know, none of them have played in this environment. They're smaller. So it's going to change a lot in terms of just how players uh, you know, can kind of adapt to it. And I think it's smart that they're going to do training camp in these venues so that these guys can get used to the environment because I do think the environment will impact. Give us a team that uh, not enough people are talking about. I think there are a couple of sneaky ones. You know, when you look at kind of the front runners with the Lakers and the and the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, clearly I still think they're the front runners just from a talent and a depth point of view. But Philadelphia is going to be healthy. Orlando looks like they're going to be healthy. They're going to get Jonathan Isaac back. He was on the way to being a defensive player of the year. You know, so they're a team, and again, they're playing kind of in their their area. Um, you know, I think Sacramento is sneaky. I think a healthy New Orleans Pelicans team with Zion Williamson is sneaky. Um, I think um, the Phil, or the Indiana Pacers getting Victor Oladipo back after a really prolonged rest is going to help them. Um, you know, I think about Utah. I think about the Clippers. Um, the, the best kept secret in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference, was the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, they were really starting to figure some things out. Do they come in with kind of young, fresh legs and pick up where they left off? Um, but then the other part is how many guys are just really going to be super rusty because they haven't had access to facilities. But those are the teams I think really kind of jump out at me is, you know, Philly being healthy, you know, the Pelicans being healthy, and then maybe that, like I said, those soft issue, those soft tissue concerns of the older teams. Like if LeBron strains a hamstring, what does that mean for the Lakers? You know, if Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, has any type of an injury, what does that mean for for Milwaukee? So, you know, I think injury is always a factor, but I think those kind of tweaky things that we see in training camp are going to be more real as we start to try to ramp this thing up fast. I'm going to break one of our rules here. Neither Jake nor I really like to talk about referees. or, And I haven't even thought about this until this interview right now. But I wonder if they'll be rusty. I wonder if we'll see more blown calls. Uh, there isn't much ramp up to playoffs, and we know how intense that can get. 
and it's going to be a factor. And I think the one thing the NBA's got at their disposal is, you know, one, they're not having to shuttle, shuttle crews back and forth. They can reuse certain officials in ways that they probably wouldn't uh, in a normal playoff environment. Because think about it, we've got usually four or five games going on at any given time. So the fact that you could reuse personnel every other night means you can have the best of the best on the floor. Uh, the NBA does a lot of tracking on referees, and I think that data is really going to inform that if you're not performing well in those first tune-up games, maybe you're not part of the playoff rotation. So these guys are going to go through their own level of training camp, and you know they're going to have a lot less stresses on them, right? I think the worst thing for officials is the home crowd, right? The home crowd with the refs, you suck. They're not going to have that anymore. So it's going to make their job less stressful and maybe they'll be better at their job. They're not going to have to travel as much. They're going to have more recovery time, more time to look at game film. This is something I think most people don't understand is that referees watch game film too to make sure that they're catching what players are doing in terms of the gray areas of the rule book. So maybe some of these things are better. The fact that you won't have the distraction of the crowd and they can just focus on the game, maybe that makes it better. So I think more of the the situational things go in the advantage of the official than maybe not, because I do know personally a lot of officials, they get caught up in what things are are happening in the gym as much as they try not to. So it's just the two teams and the coaches, and I think they can manage that better. Steve, thank you very much for jumping on with us as always, and uh, keep up the good work. Anytime, my friends. You guys be well. Back at you. Our friend Steve Kyler from Basketball Insiders. And Gordon, I, I, I was glad to hear he thought that uh, the refereeing could actually get better in this situation because if it, I don't think it could get much worse. <laughs> so anything that makes this the, the, their job better, uh, good. You know, uh, so in our partnership here, uh, I'm thinking of the song by the Beatles with uh, McCartney and Lennon. I want to hold your hand. When McCartney Yellow Submarine kept, was writing the words, everything is getting better and uh, better all the time. And Lennon wanted to insert and did insert the line. Couldn't get much worse or whatever it was. That's that's you. So you're the Lennon and I'm the McCartney. Well, as long as they stop calling fouls when James Harden is just breathed on. Uh, <laughs> whatever we got to do to do that, let's do that. Uh, were, there, were there bad referees that were favoring of that kind of behavior more than, 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 say, some of the other refs? Uh, I don't know because I choose not to know their names. <laughs> it, okay. it bugs me that, uh, that they become celebrities. Well, they are supposedly the best at what they do on the planet. They're not. They mean there's other refs who are better? Well, I'm sure if uh, somebody who got into rocket science decided to get into refereeing, they'd be better, yeah. How do you know that? Well, I don't, I suppose. But you're trying to tell me that that group of bozos is the best and the brightest? I don't know. Well, they're better than college refs. Well, that's saying a lot they're better than international refs aren't they uh are they i don't know i don't know enough about international refs okay all right more straight ahead 97.5 and 1280 the zone